I'm Matt Bush for BPR News. I'm speaking with John Shoup, who's the co-host of BPR's Going Deep Sports in the 21st Century podcast. He was also an assistant coach for the University of North Carolina football team from 2007 to 2011. John, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. So tell us your initial thoughts about this particular scandal. We'll put that in quotation marks. Again, you were there uh, and saw front row what happened 10 years ago at the University of North Carolina with the academic scandal. There are some similarities and parallels between this current one with the players selling shoes and being suspended and what happened when you were at the school. Well, while I was at the school, uh, initially there were 14 players suspended for uh, what was called receiving improper benefits. And those improper benefits were uh, sometimes an hour of tutoring from a woman who was not a tutor. Um, and those improper benefits ranged, but in all in all, 18 young men, all people of color, were suspended uh, at one point or time in the last year that I was at the University of North Carolina. This, uh, these suspensions that have occurred now, there's 13 football players uh, that were suspended by the University of North Carolina. Nine of these 13 young men are people of color, and they were suspended for selling shoes that the university gave them. Uh, some of the players sold the shoes for as much as $2,500, it's been reported. And uh, some of the players, nine of them, are suspended for four games. Uh, two of them are suspended for two games. And two of them are suspended for only one game. And one thing that the university is doing is they're staggering the suspensions, which we were not allowed to do in 2010 and 2011. But they're staggering the suspensions so they won't have multiple players suspended at the same time, which will really, really help them uh, compete in the football games that they have. First, let's talk about gear that players and coaches get from the universities. This is stuff that, you know, was $250, I think the shoes were valued at, but as you said, some, some of them were sold for 10 times that amount. How much gear like this do players and coaches get from these universities? Well, coaches get an exorbitant amount of gear. Um, coaches can't spend, can't spend the money that they're given in terms of gear. And uh, what happened as a coach, I can remember, it's something like thousands upon thousands of dollars that you as a coach are given in a night catalog. And so you and your family or friends or anybody can just go through the catalog and just choose things that you want to buy from Nike. You cannot spend all the money that Nike gives you if you wanted to. You, you can't do it. There's, there's so much money. I'm talking $10,000 maybe for a coach. The head football coach gets an exorbitant amount what the assistants get is is incredible you you can't spend it all what the head coach gets is some coaches are up in the seven figures with regards to their apparel contracts and it's really amazing to me i think one of the things to think about is the young men in this situation are given they're giving shoes 
they're given shoes that you can't buy at a Nike store. These shoes are this Jordan brand specifically for the football team. You can't buy these anywhere else. And so these shoes have great, great value. Many of the young men that I've coached live below the poverty line. The percentages say, I mean, it's a great number of football players and basketball players in Division I that live below the poverty line. If someone came to you and said, I'll offer you $2,500 for a pair of shoes that are yours, and you had siblings at home that needed backpacks for school, siblings at home that needed uh, uh, bikes and food on the table, well, you'd sell those shoes for $2,500. You'd sell them without even thinking. And another thing that I think is really important for people to understand here, the NCAA is not suspending these players. The University of North Carolina is suspending them at the recommendation of the NCAA. So the NCAA comes in and investigates, but really they don't have much power. The athletic director, Bubba Cunningham, at the University of North Carolina could take the recommendation from the NCAA and simply say, no, we're not suspending them. And there's really nothing the NCAA can do. Larry Fedora could say, no, we're not suspending them. And there's nothing the NCAA could do. I did not know this while I was in the middle of it. I know this now. And I think that's a really important point. Bubba Cunningham is the athletic director at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. This is the man who, for the last number of years, has just battled the NCAA with regards to nearly 200 cases of academic fraud and is deemed that the, the NCAA and the University of North Carolina have concurred that there was nothing to see. There were no penalties for nearly 200 cases of academic fraud, yet 13 young men who were approached and offered a lot of money for shoes that they were given and that they own are suspended. That doesn't feel right to me. They would not have gotten in trouble theoretically if they have just given those shoes away, correct? Correct. They received um, a benefit. They received a benefit from their scholarship. Had they given those shoes, and this happens, um, I would get so much gear, so much. I mean, like I said, tens of thousands of dollars of sweatsuits, sweaters, golf shirts, pants, shoes that I couldn't, I, I, I didn't know what to do with. I'd just give it to family members, to friends, to neighbors, give it to them. Well, many of the players do that too. Their little brothers, their little sisters, their mom or dad show up at the game with sweatsuits that these players had had. Maybe it was the year previous as sweatsuit and they got new ones. Maybe it was last month's sweatsuit and they got new ones because these things come out <laughs> unbelievably fast. I mean, we used to joke I can't wait to go down to my locker today at lunch because uh, what's night going to have new for us? 
every single day it felt like Christmas. And this is really what the NCAA, what the University of North Carolina does, what these schools do in lieu of paying student-athletes. I wonder what could we do if all these young men and women, but if all these young men who live below a poverty line were given a wage and could send that money home instead of a sweatsuit, instead of uh, tennis shoes to a brother, if they could send money home, boy, I really think we could make a difference in the world. What does this say about the University of North Carolina? This is within a decade and yet another scandal that's really happening at this university. Is this something that's very specific to that particular university? You work for them for five years, or is this something that is happening all throughout major universities in the United States and North Carolina is getting caught? Well, I would certainly say North Carolina is getting caught. I would not be surprised if other student-athletes throughout the country are selling the gear that they get. You know, on a show previously that Marcia and I did on Going Deep here on this station, I did a poll, and uh, I asked 50 players, 50 players that were in my phone, um, I asked them a question. And what was going on was the University of Texas, the president at the University of Texas had said, I can't imagine a world where you pay athletes to play. It would ruin the game, basically, is what he was saying. In that same week, the University of Texas installed over 100 lockers in their football locker room at a cost of $10,500 a piece, and each locker, each locker had a 43-inch flat-screen TV. I, for one, can't imagine... A- Area where you would have 143-inch flat-screen TVs. And so what I asked in this informal poll was, would you rather have a locker that has a 43-inch flat-screen TV, illuminates in the dark, uh, has all these bells and whistles, or would you rather have $10,000 that... Um, the school would give you 50 out of 50 said I would rather have the money but what I think people need to understand is when I ask that question and I ask people who have won the Heisman Trophy people who were walk-ons I've asked people who made it in the NFL and had long careers and people who got injured and never played it down in the NFL 50 out of 50 wanted the money And the things that they said they would do with the money included buy clothes that don't say the University of North Carolina on them. Things that they said they would use the money for. Uh, I'd send it home to help my brother, uh, who just got out of prison, start his barber shop. Uh, I'd send it home because my little sister and my little brother need book bags and a computer for school. These are the answers the players gave us. Sometimes we get this image of players thinking, oh, gosh, we're going to go buy jewelry or we're going to go buy things that we don't need. Well, certainly there'll be people that buy things they don't need and we'll roll our eyes. It's been my experience. The people that 
are selling gear like these guys are, are selling it because they're sending that money to people that need that money. And instead of giving people shoes that they can sell for $2,500, wouldn't it be better if we could give them $2,500 that that same money is being sent home to families that are in need? Again, I really think we could make a difference in the world. Talk a little bit about more about the experiences you had with players at both North Carolina and Purdue, and Purdue where you coached. They were major college football players. There was this perception that they were big men on campus. They got everything. But you said you have said you and Marsha both have said on the show that wasn't the case. Many of them really struggled just to do things that other college students could easily do because they were sort of bound by these NCAA rules or university rules because they were football players. Yeah. Um, I remember a player that I coached who was an international player. In fact, he was from Paris, France, and is a wonderful, wonderful football player. Well, he didn't have enough money to go home over spring break. And so over spring break, I was at a softball game with my daughter watching the game. And this young man came up and sat next to us at the softball game. And I said, what are you doing here? It's spring break. Why, you know, why aren't you gone? He said, well, I didn't have enough money to go home. And he was eating a bag of Skittles. And he said, this is lunch. This is dinner. This is breakfast. This bag of Skittles. This is all I have to eat today. Because the training tables are closed. The coaches are, you know, out of the office. It's spring break. And he couldn't go home. And so his girlfriend played with the softball team. And so what he was doing was he was at the softball game towards the end, and as soon as they finished, the softball team got hamburgers and hot dogs because they were there playing the game, and she got extra hamburgers and hot dogs so she could feed him. It would have been illegal for me to feed him. Having said that, I did. My daughter and I went to the concession stand and bought tons of stuff and gave him whatever he wanted. So those instances are not uncommon. There was another player in the summer when training table wasn't open. And everything that he did with his weekly check went home. Everything that he did with his weekly check went home to his siblings and to his mom. And the only thing that he had eaten for like three days straight were breakfast bars kind of from the weight room that uh, you get at these what are called kind of nutrition stands. And the guy got sick and had to go to the emergency room because he'd been working out in 100-degree weather, really hard, and all he'd had has been granola bars for the last three days. I know people have this image of these guys get so much. They do. They do. In many ways, these guys get a lot. They get gear. They get sweatsuits. They get shoes. They get putt-putt golf courses in the, in the uh, football arena. They get paintball stations if you go to Clemson. You've got nap rooms. You've got everything. 
except for what you need. Sometimes what they need is some money to send home to family members. And those are the guys that are in my mind when you see this. I ask anybody who's out there, if you were in college and if you were hungry and you didn't have money, there's probably a lot of people out there that can relate to being in college and being broke. And someone said, hey, that pair of shoes, I'll give you $2,500 for that pair of shoes, which you own, by the way. They are yours. That would seem like a pretty good deal, wouldn't it? And ask yourself, if you were hungry, if you were broke, would you cut that same deal? If you were a student athlete at the University of North Carolina, you'd risk being suspended for that. Is the problem, I guess, more sort of the rules on employment that many of them can't have jobs, or is it the amount of time that they have to spend being a student athlete or being a football player, the amount of time you have to practice and go to the weight room and do all sorts of other things? What's the bigger issue there? I would say it is the amount of time that you have to spend. Football coaches in the Power Five conferences, really at a lot of levels throughout college, have players' days organized from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed. And so while players are only by per NCAA standard, allowed to practice for four hours a time or, or be do football-related activities for four hours a day, that four hours a day is stretched to, truthfully, players are on the clock with the university uh, football team from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed whether it's weightlifting, whether it's reporting to meals on certain times, whether it's being at meetings or practice, and whether it's being at study hall until often past 10 o'clock at night. These players have very, very little free time, and that's intentional because you as a coach also get criticized a great deal if players in their free time do something crazy. Lastly, to ask you your thoughts on what Bob Orr, who you guys are friends with, helped you and your players during his time, during your time at North Carolina, and has been a guest to the show and lives at least part of the time out here in Western North Carolina now. He has written this op-ed saying the players should boycott. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, Bob Orr, I think this is important to understand. Bob Orr is a former North Carolina Supreme Court Justice. Bob Orr ran for governor of the state. Bob Orr is not, you know, Joey Wolfpack writing into some message board or something like this. This is one of the most dignified and, and just one of the most dignified and, and is a model of morality for me in so many ways, a model of a man. What he has suggested is the players boycott. The University of North Carolina opens the football season at the University of California. He has suggested that the remaining players say, we're not getting on the plane to go to California. 
We're not going to go unless you remove the suspension of these players. And again, I want to emphasize, this is not the NCAA suspending them. Bubba Cunningham could remove the suspension on these players in a second. It could be done. And there's a precedent set for this. In 2015, in the fall of 2015, at Missouri, at the University of Missouri in Columbia, there was a graduate student, I think his name was Jonathan Butler, who was protesting uh, racism, uh, homophobic activity on the campus, and uh, the lack of action from the president's office. And so Jonathan Butler, this student, went on a hunger strike. Jonathan Butler, this student, was near death, and nothing was getting done. Everybody just looked the other way, except for the University of Missouri football team. The University of Missouri football team, all of the players of color and many of the players of many of the white players as well, joined the protest. And I take that back. Actually, not even all the players of color, just enough that they joined the protest and said, this was on a Sunday night, we are not going to play our football game next year, next week at Arrowhead Stadium against Brigham Young University unless this gets settled. By Wednesday, the president of the University of Missouri had stepped down because the university wasn't willing to lose the millions of dollars that they were with the football team. If the University of North Carolina football players protest this, this is what I believe will happen, and this is what Bob Orr believes will happen. The problem will get solved. If they threaten to protest it, the problem will get solved. Bubba Cunningham, Larry Fedora, nobody's willing to risk losing millions of dollars. But it will take a great deal of courage to do that. It's going to happen sometime. There's a lot of people that think oh, it'll happen in basketball before football because there's not as many players. But we've seen a precedent set. We've seen Missouri cause change. These guys at the University of North Carolina right now, in my opinion, could change the landscape of college football just by saying, if these 13 players aren't reinstated, we're not getting on that plane to California. I promise you, I believe with all my heart, those 13 players would be reinstated. John Shoup, thank you, as always, for coming in to talk to us. Thanks for having me.